and welcome to episode number 82 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Fairway J and Brett Colson, where we break down all the big bets, all the big news, all of everything going on in this crazy gambling industry of ours. As always, guys, we are found on every single major podcast provider out there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. So wherever you find your podcast, we are there. So please go in, go ahead and subscribe. Give us a rate and a review, and we would really, really appreciate that. You can find us on the Twitter at the Lines US and at PlayPix US as well. Guys, before we get into everything here, Jay, how did Week 10 treat you in the NFL? Uh, NFL was good. It was disappointing. It wasn't a little better after I had a good college Saturday with some good underdogs, but uh, still a little frustrated with a few teams that can't quite get there, like the Panthers down at the goal line as they try to get in late, happening a few too many times. But uh, overall, a decent week, a winning week. But um, uh, as we as we say, a fine line sometimes when those close ones like the Panthers and uh, come down short on fourth down. That's the difference between a win and a loss. Please allow me to take a nice uh, couple of minutes here <laughs> to go ahead and ridicule Brett for picking the Bengals this past week. Um, and not only did he pick the Bengals, fortunately, I was able to get that booted off of our Circa card. And that did not make our card because I was on the opposite side of that one. But in the other contest that Brett is in, he actually made that one uh, get on the card for them. And so everybody go ahead. It is at Brett Colson on Twitter. If you want to go ahead and let him know what a dunce he is for picking the Bengals with a friggin reject quarterback over the world beater Ravens. So, Brett, defend defend yourself here. I will give you 30 seconds if you can possibly do that in 30 seconds. How did we know he was going to be a reject? How do we know he's not the next Russell Wilson? <laughs> You're right. Cur- You're right. Crickets. Crickets. I'll, give, no, look, I'll, give, I'll give Brett some defense when he's done as well. <laughs> this, was, this was a process play that turned out to be horrible as part of the process because I didn't think people were going to like the Bengals in these contests, and it turns out they did. People like the Bengals more than they like the Ravens. So it was just a horrible read on my part, and I did not have them in, in just one other contests, I had them in both my other contests. So it was a, I had a lot riding on the Bengals on Sunday. Fortunately, it was over quickly. I was going to say, you didn't have to sweat it. You didn't have to sweat it. That's for one thing. Because that was effing brutal. (laughs) Uh, Jay, don't tell me you were on the Bengals too. I had a small bet on the Bengals, but here's a, I I wrote this game up for another site and, and uh, in in defense of Brett and and some other people, the, the, Definitely pro betters. There are many pro betters that took the Bengals. The situation off a of bye and winless teams, and you got to get into all that. But I specifically wrote up the matchups, as I do week after week. This was – and I did when they played the first time around. And Cincinnati got a backdoor cover that day, but it was dominant stats-wise for – um, the Ravens. And this was just the, as big a fundamental match, ma- mismatch and why I think fundamental handicapping is the most important versus all of these situations that come up about off a of bye week and the good situation because the Ravens lead the league in rushing just under 200. Going into last week, it was just over 200 a game. The Bengals were dead last in rushing at under 60 yards a game. And when you control the line of scrimmage, I have a stat database proprietary for 20 years that shows if you outrush them by X amount, and in this case, a big margin, you're going to cover the point spread well over 70% of the time. So it's hard for me to go against that when I know the fundamentals are in place to where a dominant Ravens win. But it turned out that they just, uh, you know, they can't contain Jackson and he's, he was rolling again. And if I, if I give you the final numbers, um, surprisingly, 
in this matchup, the, the rushing guidelines, the Bengals ran it 40 times for 157 yards. And so fundamentally, it didn't play out quite as I thought, but the turnovers, three turnovers cost them, and they just kept running. They were behind, and they, for some reason, continued to run the ball and not try to get back in. But maybe yeah, that was the, quarter, that's the quarterback. That's the quarterback situation, maybe, and they're a new quarterback, and they weren't as comfortable, or maybe he wasn't as comfortable with the with the offense yet. But, yeah, it was just a, not a good matchup. But the, statistically, it wasn't as dominant, uh, 379 to 307, but 8.2 yards per play. My God, they couldn't stop the Ravens at all. Yeah, I just, you know, I think that there's sometimes, sometimes I think we get a little too cute. You guys are both poker players. You've heard of fancy play syndrome. I think that we try to get too cute in stuff that is so incredibly obvious sometimes in sports betting. And I say all the time to people, I was like, I don't care if you tell me I'm on the sharp side or that I'm on the square side. All I care about is cashing tickets and all I care about is winning bets. And so I'm not worried at all in the least bit about uh, about any of this other you know garbage that everyone wants to keep throwing out of which side's the sharp side and which side's the the the, the square side and whatever and basically for it, this kind of goes back to the other things we were talking about before you know last week when we were talking about closing line value I mean basically the nature of the market is that by the time the game comes around there is no sharp side or any square side because in theory, the way that a market works and the way that a point spread works, that if there was still a sharp side, then the sharps would continue pounding it and then it would move to a point where there is no longer a sharp side. So, I mean, like there there's the market has already moved to where the number that is, quote unquote, the sharp number is probably no longer there anymore, has hasn't been there for quite some time. And so, you know, I think we just we, we kind of overanalyze these things a lot of times as opposed to whenever the answer is just smacking us right in the face and um you know, I think that that's something that as as new betters out there, if anybody's listening, sometimes sometimes the obvious things are obvious because they're obvious. Yeah, and, that, and that's totally fair. And I just want to clarify that that is not a game I would have bet on. It was strictly a contest play and it blew up in my face. Uh, a, a lot of things were pointing toward the Ravens there. Uh, Matt, you nailed it uh, on the Friday podcast and uh did not go well for me. <laughs> all good, all good. There's this is a new <laughs> this is a new week, and we will uh, we will tackle this new week as we go on here. Uh, Colorado is a state that we've been following here. We were wondering whether this was actually going to get done or not, Brett, because of the way that the Colorado statute is written, the way that they have to write bills and the way they have to word laws. And basically, the wording of this law to get sports betting passed was. Do you want to increase taxes by twenty nine million dollars? <laughs> and so, of course, everybody is like, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on? And of course, that isn't necessary. That isn't really the case. That's what go- that's actually the the number of taxes that would get raised and whatnot. But yeah, there's the way that that all went down. But fortunately, there was an education process. Fortunately, there was a, a pretty good little grassroots campaign there in Colorado. And though narrow, it was able to escape. Yeah, it was narrow, but Colorado did become the 19th state to legalize sports betting. Uh, They did it via voter referendum, squeaking by in a very close vote. But majority is majority, and the people have spoken. Likely won't see the first bets placed in Colorado until May 2020. Still uh, a lot to get done there. The bill includes mobile betting, though, which is huge, and only a 10% state tax on revenue, which is very friendly to operators, and that allows for... A lot of competition, and competition is great uh, in these in these markets. Uh, Thirty-three potential mobile licenses up for grabs, so uh, a lot you're going to see a lot of uh, operators getting into Colorado. Huge, huge, huge news for for 
gamblers in that state. It is a sports-loving state for pro teams. Uh, if you live there, we've got everything you need to know on our Colorado State page of the lines. You can find it right on the homepage, and uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and again, props to everybody who kind of got out and educated the public on all of this because this was – Certainly not the easiest thing to try and decipher whenever you were taking a look at the the ballot and for this able for this to be able to get across is a, actually a pretty big win, in my opinion, because of the way that everything was worded on there. So good job to everyone in Colorado. And we will welcome you guys with open arms whenever this thing gets up and going. Actually, some big news came across last night. Uh, Jay, you probably saw this, but the Native American tribes got together over in California and actually have put to put forth a ballot measure for the 2020 election cycle for the state constitution that would change the law in California to allow sports betting over there. And, you know, us all being coming from the poker industry, we know for sure they've been trying to get the poker poker regulated over there for such a long time and the tribes just hold so much power over there and they could never get on the same page with the other parties that be that wanted to get online poker going over there that that never came about so to get the tribes behind sports betting over in California I do not think we can understate what a massive deal this is because they hold pretty much all the power when it comes to gaming over there in California yeah, I try to stay. I try to follow some of this, and certainly not all the details. I know uh, one of our sister sites at Legal Sports Betting covers some of this as well. But you know, the tribes exactly right. It's a dominant state for tribal gaming. They they have upwards of eight billion dollars annually in revenue, and um, I think as I I saw it the. Uh, there would not be – I don't think there was a measure to allow for mobile online sports betting as they put put, uh, put this uh, up for consideration. But um, I do see there's more details on the site with regards to California sports betting proposal and the, um, the ability to put this through. And I think it's under – Let's see. What is the 2020 election coming up? I forget what the measures uh, called, but um, anyway, I know the the tribal gaming influence is substantial in California. For those wondering why you hadn't seen it legalized in one of the, some of the big states like California or Texas, that's why because it's uh, got a tremendous influence in that state. And you know, Brett, the other thing, if you've been over to California and spent any time over there, and you've gone to any of the casinos that. They allow card games over there, but you don't really see the other kind of games of chance. And this measure also would allow for craps and roulette to be added to tribal casinos over there. But, uh, you know, this does not surprise me at all that this doesn't have anything in there for mobile and online. And I would imagine they would fight it very, very, very hard because that was basically their whole thing against online poker was they they feel like that that would reduce traffic into their casinos and they don't want that and they want people to have to physically get up and go to their casinos and be inside the doors. And so it doesn't surprise me that this does not have mobile or um, mobile or online here. But, you know, look, I guess if you're in California and it's kind of what we say with some of these states here, something's better than nothing. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And I, I think we're feeling some of that in New York here, too. Two big states with a lot of interests, a lot of money at stake, and uh, both with tribes that have a lot of uh, a lot of power, really. So not surprised to see that either, but just anything to get going in California would be huge. What were the, I mean, If we were to set odds last week 
on California getting anything through by the end of next year, it would have been, I mean, what a long shot, right? Oh, this is, this is, massive. this is a big deal. Yeah, this is a big abso- deal. absolutely massive. I mean, on one of the legal sports report podcasts about six months ago, maybe it was a year ago or something. Uh, Dustin Galker famously said that he felt that uh, San Diego would fall off into the Pacific Ocean before <laughs> before California would ever get sports betting. And uh, yeah, so pretty interesting to see this all come through and some more state news real quick for people living over on uh, the other side of the country there in Georgia. Uh, four of Atlanta's professional sports teams got together and basically put out a deal. They formed the Georgia Professional Sports Integrity Alliance, and they sent a letter to state lawmakers asking them to legalize online and mobile sports betting. Uh, Georgia is the 12th largest state for illegal wagering. This is according to the memo that they sent. It's not going away. This is why we must ensure the industry is above board and transparent. So, As uh, you guys probably well know, Georgia has been very, very against any sort of gambling. There is no casino action in Georgia, one of the few states there in the South that don't have any sort of casinos uh, available there. But to have all of these, I mean, we're talking the Braves, Falcons, Hawks, and then the soccer team there, the Atlanta United, all four got together and all four put their heads together and said that they would like to see regulated and legalized online and mobile sports betting within the state. And Brett, since there is no casinos there, everything would have to be online and mobile in the state of Georgia. So you would have basically kind of a situation we have in Tennessee where where pretty much everything would just be online and mobile. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like the these franchises are expecting to see any revenue from it either. I mean, we've we've had that problem with the, the leagues and the integrity fees they've been asking for in some of these other states. But that doesn't sound like the, the teams want any part of that. But obviously, they understand uh, the the impact that sports betting has on their business. And this is great to see because Georgia is probably near the end of the line otherwise uh, in getting sports betting live. Yeah, no, absolutely. So to have that getting out there. And I mean, I mean look, this is what we were talking about with this with this New Jersey deal. Once the numbers came out and once people saw the success from that state, that it was going to be kind of a a snowball effect here. And that is exactly what we're seeing with all these other states and saying, man, this is just way too much money that we're leaving on the table to allow this to continue to be done offshore. So uh, good on the people over there in Georgia, good on those sports teams. And finally, uh, Pennsylvania poker is up and running officially. There was the, there was the, uh, what, what do they call it, Brett? The, the testing period, I guess, or something like that. Something that goes on, uh, whatever it is, the feeling out period or something. Yeah. And, and for the, uh, for the gaming association to basically make sure that everything is running properly. But with that, uh, Pennsylvania, now they got the thumbs up, then it is official and Pennsylvania poker is a thing moving forward. I'm so tempted to drive down the 90 minutes. Just like, (laughs) just like live in like 2007, Brett years, just sit down and play an online poker Sunday. It was so much fun and I miss it. And you know, obviously, without liquidity, the, the tournaments are going to be much smaller. Uh, you know, there's not as many options to choose from. But this is this is a big one. I mean, Pennsylvania is a big state. I think they are. They've already reached uh, or, or surpassed New Jersey as far as um, the numbers of, of people who are playing online. Obviously, you're going to see you're going to see that uh, uh, increase early on. Uh, they just launched, but curious to see if Pennsylvania can can keep that going and. 
uh, it'll be even bigger if they can latch on with some of these other states. Yeah, it's uh, good that there was no apparently there were just very, very few super, super minor kind of glitch things that were easily fixed. And the uh, gaming control board said, let's do it. So if you're over in Pennsylvania, head over to PlayPennsylvania.com, one of our other sister sites. And of course, take advantage of any of the stuff that we have going on over there. So, Jay, let's talk about the big 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 massive game of the weekend LSU and Alabama and what this really has done over the course to basically change the landscape of college football LSU moves to number one in the CFP rankings Alabama falls to number five that said this is kind of a setup here like we were talking about when the initial rankings come came out this is kind of a setup in a situation where they know LSU and Georgia are most likely going to meet in the SEC championship game. And this kind of sets up a situation for should LSU beat Georgia in the SEC championship game that they would be able to get Alabama back into the top four here and get them into the playoffs, which I think we all know one just with our eyeballs watching college football all year. One, Alabama is definitely one of the four best teams in the country. But two, if you're the committee, you want the big boys in the top four and you certainly want Alabama in there. Yes, but uh, my thought is this year, I don't think it's going to – I initially don't think it's going to happen. I don't I don't think Alabama is – I mean, we showed uh, – they play at home, they play LSU, and they give up 40 points, over 40 points in a loss, and I think that has to have some impact. Yeah, they're still at number five, and if they win out. But this year, I think for them not to be in the SEC championship, uh, I don't think there's a one-loss team they should get in. And in fact, I would almost make the argument that if Oregon could still run the table and it was be even between those two, the eye test might potentially say that Alabama's better. But I think, uh, well, we're, you know, there's still football to be played. I'll just say that they, they've got to play Auburn still. Obviously, Alabama. Um, they they go to Auburn in the Iron Bowl to finish the season, and that manned it right there. But I don't. If I if I'm a voter right now, I'm not. I'm and it was one loss, and they were setting up. I'd say no. I don't think Alabama should get in, and uh, I think LSU showed that they, you know, they go on the road and beat them pretty good, and and um, that was enough to convince me that if if it was a if it was a close call, even between a team like Oregon, I would be voting for uh, a team other than Alabama. Why is Georgia number four? When I, they lost to South to South Carolina, what what's going on here? I th- again, I think it's just a setup, right? I think it it's I think it is a setup so that you have an excuse to easily get Alabama back into the top four because it would be it would be one of those things where LSU beats the number four team and okay now LSU L- LSU and I imagine LSU will. I, I'm not going to say actually I should not say this because that's, I'm only building myself <laughs> up for that. But, but what happens if Georgia does beat LSU? I, of course. And that's more than very, very capable and, and not out of the question at all. Well, if that were the case, then I think what we have set up here is definitely LSU makes the playoff no matter what. Yes. Um, yes. With the win over Alabama on the road and if they lose in a neutral site to Georgia, which quote unquote neutral site. It takes place in, in, in Atlanta, which is in Georgia, obviously and the university mm-hmm. of Georgia is just right up the road. Um, I think we're actually seeing this reflected in the odds here over at DraftKings LSU to make the playoffs is minus seven seventy. So with odds like that, I think DraftKings and the odds makers have pretty much said Brett that even if LSU loses to Georgia in the SC championship game, 
that they're still one of the four best teams in the country and still should be and still actually not should be and still will make the playoffs because I mean a minus 770 number here is pretty is pretty ridiculous absolutely and I agree with that LSU is in no matter what but what happens if Georgia beats LSU what happens between Georgia and Alabama Georgia would have to go in over Alabama right for sure absolutely okay for sure LSU still gets in of course and yes and then you got a mess yeah, and Clemson Clemson's going to moonwalk in because they have the easiest schedule known to man. So, I mean, it is they're they're going to moonwalk in. They are actually minus 715 as well. So, it's like it's basically they have told us with these odds that Clemson and LSU are going to make it. So, we we get that Alabama to make it plus 230, Georgia to make it plus 175. And then as we go down, uh, Ohio State, obviously a big favorite to make it as well when you consider kind of how their schedule is going to break down. A yes on them is minus 500. So still things to be played out for sure. It's uh, These odds are pretty interesting. It's a fine line, and it goes – You know, we won't have that discussion here today, but there, another reason why we, I think, need to get to eight because – if Clemson had lost to North Carolina, which, again, they're right there. They almost beat. Uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd say their schedule isn't tough enough, and they have one loss. And Georgia outplayed South Carolina and lost. Just It was an upset, no question about it. But they have their chance to still get back in by running the table, getting to the SEC championship and beating LSU. Then they still get in. But Clemson, because of their schedule, you're exactly right now. If they go undefeated, they're going to get in. Ohio State still has to play Penn State and Michigan and the Big Ten championship game. So much to be settled still. It usually is the case, and it normally plays itself out. But I think we're going to maybe have a debate again here with a couple one-loss teams that might be on the bubble to yeah. uh, get into the Final Four. I mean, and Brett, to, to your point here, this is kind of just the sad reality of college football as well, which we've just come to accept as gospel here. But when you lose really does play a factor in this because had Georgia lost last week, to South Carolina, as opposed to several weeks ago, then no, they're not anywhere close to number four. But the fact of the matter is, is it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, because it was so long ago when they lost. And here we go, Georgia sitting at number four. Yeah, I think you can say the same thing about Clemson. They snuck by uh, North Carolina and in the past five weeks. They've just wiped the floor with everybody. So everybody's forgotten about that close game with North Carolina. Uh, super interesting, obviously. I think you could throw away the Big 12. I don't think they're going to be represented. The The Pac-12 is kind of interesting, though. you still got Oregon, Utah, 6-7 kind of on the outside looking for a spot in there. Um, and Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota is super interesting to me. They're sitting at number eight. They're 9-0. and oh. If they win out, what happens like uh, that one? I think they have to get in, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, if they beat Ohio State, I'd say yeah. yes. That's my alma right, mater, yeah. guys, and I've never been to the Rose Bowl. So if they uh, happen to, I think if they were to lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, they could still get to the Rose Bowl, not in the playoff. But yeah, the, there's another example of the schedule because they hadn't played anyone, and now they're playing that they they get a chance still too. They play Wisconsin and Iowa, top twenty teams, to still strengthen their resume a little bit. So if they were to run the table, I don't see how you leave, especially if they beat Ohio State. They're they're in then because you, you can't have an undefeated Big Ten team who wins the Big Ten championship True. not in the play, playoffs. That, that'll happen package. as well. But it's another case of they just it needs to be eight teams. I'm I'm tired of seeing the the Pac-12 not be able to get in, and in this case Oregon is an exceptional team you know they they should have every chance to play for a national championship I believe and the one loss was in week one and uh, maybe another example why you shouldn't play the top teams in the first week yeah, because right. they uh 
they they certainly outplayed Auburn enough, but they just didn't get the win. And then now here they're they're making their run, but it's probably going to not be enough. And if we had an 18 playoff, they'd be they'd be someone that certainly is capable of playing with the big the biggest teams and the best teams because they're they're in there. And and Brett, this is certainly a prove it week for Minnesota as uh, as they head on the road as a dog this week. So despite the fact that they are undefeated. Uh, they're actually going to be a dog this week on the road. So bookmakers are saying, hey, Minnesota, prove it to us this yeah. week. And if you can prove it to us, then maybe we'll give you a little bit more respect. Yeah, field, dog, field goal dog, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, three-point dogs yeah. in that one. The other fallout from the LSU-Alabama game was it all but gave Joe Burrow the Heisman. He is now minus 9-10 over at DraftKings to win. Justin Fields is 10 to 1, Hurts 14 to 1, and then Tua comes in at 22 to 1. Nobody else has a chance at this point. I think that that's probably rightfully so. I mean, Burrow has had an excellent year. We talked about it on this podcast multiple times. Jay, I remember us having the conversation saying, if you like Joe Burrow, there is a clear path to him winning the Heisman Trophy. And we said, this has to happen, this has to happen, and this has to happen. Well, so far, those things have happened. And you could have gotten Joe Burrow at a much, much, much bigger number. And we said, hey, if you want one of these long shots, Burrow would be the guy to look at because there is a very clear path to him winning the Heisman Trophy should things play out in this order. And here we are sitting in heading in the last couple of weeks of the season and it did play out exactly in that order. Wow. I mean, what a, what a hit this is going to be. And I was going to ask you as a team, as an LSU guy, if you thought at 200 to one, I mean, you look back now in a senior quarterback on a, what was certainly going to be a strong team. Uh, clearly nobody thought he was going to be able to put up the numbers he has, but did, did you see this um, coming at the start of the season or did you know that Burrow was going to have this kind of support in front of him to put, be able to put this kind of number up before the season? No, nobody saw this because nobody knew what Joe Brady was going to bring to this offense and him coming over from the saints and sitting up there and being the quote unquote passing game coordinator. He's basically the offensive coordinator. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. And he, he is he has just completely revamped this entire team and what he's actually done is he's taken advantage of all these playmakers that LSU has had for the past decade that they, that nobody has been able to actually get them to live up to all of their skill potential and hype here. I mean, LSU's never had a problem recruiting four and five star guys, but it's basically where five star wide receivers have gone to die because you go and it's such horrible quarterback play and such bad play calling and such so incredibly run heavy, you know. Handing the ball to Fournette for yeah, a few years. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and sitting behind all these guys. And then Joe Brady comes over and revamps this offense, which, by the way, they're back in the Brinks truck up to him to lock him up, which as they should, and make sure that he doesn't get picked off by one of these other teams or maybe head to the NFL or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's it. Burrow really did kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, I think that I think. Brett, maybe the people knew there was potential there because, you know, I mean, we heard in the offseason, oh, LSU is going to revamp this offense and oh, they're going to, you know, it's going to be a totally new look deal. But, you know, we hear that shit all the time in the in the offseason and it doesn't necessarily come to fruition. So for us to just take the word of the beat writers that, you know, this was going to be this completely different team than we have seen over the last decade. I mean, it's, it's tough to it's tough to really have the foresight to to see that. Yeah, there was some buzz in the offseason. I mean, he opened, like Jay said, he opened at what, minus 200 in Vegas in January. And then, you know, he was minus uh, plus 6,500, I think, in June. And and before the season, I think he was around like plus 
3,000, so 30 to 1. So, I mean, there were people who didn't I – mean, nobody saw this coming, but there were people who thought, all right, there's a chance this could happen uh, if, if LSU is as good as we think they can be, and, and that's exactly what happened. My question is, at minus 910, is this an overreaction to one game? Like, is there value on a guy like Justin Fields, who I think is the only other candidate left, but if they run the table – and Burrow, for whatever reason, just doesn't perform like he has been over the next few weeks. Is it, is it possible anybody else could win, you, or is this is this locked up? You basically stole my question that I was going to to ask you guys because here's the thing: we saw last year that yeah. you can lose the Heisman with one bad game because I mean I think we all agree Tua should have won the Heisman last year. I mean I think yeah, for sure. That, yeah, I mean like and and he has one bad game and and for whatever reason just could just falls off the face of the planet for some stupid reason and hey maybe Burrow goes out and has an off game or, or whatever it might be. I mean, I certainly think I wish Fields was a little bit longer than 10 to 1, but I don't think it's out of the the realm of possibility at all. I, I've heard that the the books are not going to be doing well if Burrow wins. That that's that's going to be a pretty big loss for them. So uh, that might be why this number is a little inflated. But I I, I think there's. I mean, it, I don't like to tend to want a whole lot either. But I still think there's value in a guy who is this long coming off a clear overreaction to one single game. Jay, I like to hear that the books are not going to do well if Burrow wins because that makes me believe that maybe some maybe some people out there listened to our analysis of this and maybe some people <laughs> went out there and actually laid some of their money on this and are going to uh, and are going to take some of the sports books money if Burrow does win. Yeah, and and money clearly came in on the the one thing we we you mentioned about the Brady and the uh, you know many teams change schemes and have players in their first year in it and they struggle and so it it was in that regard maybe a little unforeseen but um, he to me with that performance against Alabama he clearly should be the big favorite and I'd, I'd have a hard time seeing him even though they're going to play Georgia with a good defense probably in the in the big SEC championship which is where Tua lost it last year in that game but Ohio State still has to play Penn State and uh, Michigan so Fields is going to have to put up big big numbers against some you know good defenses and strong defensive lines and then potentially Minnesota in the Big Ten championship so it's uh it's a good story. Burrow's going to get it, I think, and he deservingly so. He's had a tremendous year. Three teams, the massive favorites to take down the championship this year. Clemson plus 225, Ohio State plus 225, and LSU plus 275. After that, it's where things get interesting. Bama, Georgia both sitting at 12 to 1. Oklahoma at 25 to 1. Oregon at 40 to 1. Penn State 50 to 1. Utah 66 to 1. And then it goes way down from there. Uh, Brett, you mentioned Minnesota earlier, and again, we we talked about it. They go on the road this week as dogs in a prove-it game, but they're sitting out there at 100-1. to 1. Here's the deal. If you can just make, if you can just make the Final Four, at that point, it is, Edge. it is, it is a two game. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a two game tournament, right? I mean, like yeah. it's, it's, it's like, it's not the craziest thing. It's not like uh March madness or something where you have to string together, you know, a ton of wins in order to uh, win the national championship here. We're talking about well, all you got to do is get in oh. the top four and then you get in the top four and, and it's, it's, it's a two game tournament with Ohio them. It, it is, it. it is a little like March madness though. They've, they have to win out against some, pretty damn good teams here right in a row so i mean it's a little different from minnesota they they really have to win like five or six in a row to do it so i even at 101 it looks a little enticing i 
I don't even know if that's priced correctly. I think it might actually be short. Uh, one one comment is Ohio State uh, did did get in as a four seed and won the national championship as an underdog. I I, I think it's seven point underdogs and at least for sure in one of the games. So it's certainly possible for any team in that format to get in. And uh, you you can make an argument for any of the four that I think any of the top five or six teams right now, if they get in and that includes Oregon in my mind, if they're, they're going to have an opportunity to uh, play right with the big boys. And if they were an underdog, Ohio state's proven you can do it. Yeah. Oregon at 40 is, is the one I like most, I think. One of the more interesting topics that we saw going on on Twitter, and this is the cool thing about being in the industry, is there's, you know, with everything being so new and there everything changing and there are people who've been around, you know, in their eyes, they've been around a long time and they know best. And then there's people who've come along and started covering the industry in the last couple of years. And they're like, ah, well, you know, maybe you're looking at it from a different lens here. Maybe this is best. And so one of the discussions that got going in uh, on gambling Twitter was you know, all of these sports betting apps and what is the best way to kind of display content? What is the easiest way for a new user to find things? What is the uh, way that you should not do it? And Jay, I know you've uh, talked about before we started recording here that you had some pretty strong feelings on this. One of the, a lot of the old school guys were coming in and saying that, Oh, you, you definitely need to list things in rotation order, like rotation number order. And, you know, for me, and I've been betting a long time, you've been betting a long time, and I get the whole rotation number order thing. However, I think that that is probably looking at this not from the way that you can help gambling expand, because what you don't want, in my opinion, is a new person coming in and having no idea what in the hell a rotation number is even in the first place, and then having to sit and mess around and scroll and do all kinds of craziness to try and find the team that they're looking to bet on. I think that just the, I think any way that we can streamline and make these processes much, much easier is certainly the way to go. And I do not think rotation number is the way is, is that method. I agree with that. And I was mentioning prior that the frustration i don't think it's a big deal obviously you know on a tuesday or wednesday night or thursday you're looking at the games and easily you can find and there's only a handful of games to look at but it becomes very cumbersome on a saturday college football when there's 60 games or in in college basketball as i mentioned it's just overwhelming you know with 100 games on this on the schedule and then you're scrolling down trying to find the rotate trying to find a team through a rotation number i think the 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 frustration is going is some of these apps that are showing up is you can't not only locate it by rotation but they don't maybe don't have the option yet to just put in a search feature where you can put, push in your you know type in your team and immediately see them come up and pop up with the betting line so there's going to be i think improvements in this moving forward and there'll be enough discussion on this to have the bookmakers um, at least have those options on the app, maybe a search feature on the teams, but also uh, the, the, the the potential of maybe by game time. And I, I, a lot of the rotation numbers already are, are listed that a lot of the early games are at the top of the rotation because they're earlier, but when they have these change in times for the games or move them to uh, meet more TV demands, then they drop down and you can't necessarily find them. I think one last thing is the frustration on the regular – uh, not on an app, but on the regular rotation guide is I don't know what Don Best is doing on, they've got the, all these games that 
you know, take very little betting action on the D2 and such at the top of the rotations with these six six digit right. numbers on a rotation. They've got them at the top instead of the bottom. And, and even as you're scrolling down on your screen, it's more difficult just to go down and scroll. So I, I don't know. I think the, I think the, I think the public and more betters are going to push for wanting just to see the teams um, maybe either alphabetically or by time or the ability maybe even by a conference to have that search function available to them more than just rotation numbers. We but, all agree that rotation numbers are important for like the the in if you're in a sports book going to a window they're important there right like it's if you if you, you know you want to bet number 300 money line instead of the lions money line because there are more than a dozen yes. teams called the lions it's just an easier in-person process and the books want to keep things moving that's that's not what we're talking about here right we're talking about we're talking about apps. online yeah. apps yes okay yeah and so uh, so for example i just opened the FanDuel app and by default, the first thing, and I actually think that this is smart and intuitive, the first thing is by default, it just opens up to the Thursday night football game tonight, right? Because it is the biggest sporting event that is happening in sports on that day. So I would assume, and I, can, I, I can't say I can't say for sure because I, and I'll, I'll try this actually on Friday and Saturday and we'll, we'll report back on kind of what it does. But I assume the default is just whatever they assume is the biggest sporting thing happening that day. The next thing is a tab that says popular. The next thing is a tab that says live. So if you want to see any of the games that are going on currently live that you can bet on is right there as well. And if you click on college football at the top, Brett, the default is, and I think this is smart as well. The default just takes you to the top 25 teams. Yes. And so you find the, because those are the teams that the majority of casual bettors are looking to go and bet on. So the tab is the default is top 25 teams. Now you can go to all games if you want to, you can go to games of the year and you can do all of that stuff. But I think using the default and basically going in and making sure that the, the casual better is able to easily find these big name teams or high profile games or whatever it is just makes one. It makes business sense for the sports book itself. And then for two actually appeals to the broad majority of betters out there, which again, that might not be me. That might not be you. And that might not be Jay because we might be betting on some of these games that other people don't want to bet on, but let's be for real. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that I'm in the minority. I understand that I'm not in the, in the, the majority of people who are only going to bet the highest profile games that are only going to bet the Island games that are only going to bet the, you know, top 25 college football games. So, you know, to me, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the most important thing is to make this as easy as possible for the casual sports fan to find what they're looking for, whether it's by categories, categorizing by sport and then listing by time. That might be the easiest for the casual fan. I think most would agree with that. But you can, I think getting a little more granular is, is good, too. I like how DraftKings has the quick links right on the home screen that highlight the most popular sports, most popular games, the promotions going on at that time. And like you said, the top 25 section for college sports so people can find the most popular games easier. That's super important stuff that these these books uh, are doing as as they as they're growing here in the U.S. And that's that's what we need to be doing to to make it easier for the, the new better to, to find what they're looking for. And, and Jay, it would not surprise me. And this might actually already be going on. I don't know. I don't have inside information, but it would not surprise me if, you know, we'd look up in two or three years and these apps are essentially 
kind of learning along the way, right? They're maybe they're learning your betting habits as to what conference you maybe tend to bet more or what type of games you tend to bet more, or maybe they're changing and learning and whatever they're featuring is uh, kind of always on the move with whatever the popular bets are at that particular sports book. And then that's what they end up featuring. And so, you know, I think that there's still room. I don't think that everything's perfect. Don't get me wrong. I think that there's room for improvement here, but I think that that will come in time. I mean, we're still relatively new in this whole process with all of these things. And for some of these apps to work as well as they do, I mean, especially the DraftKings and FanDuel apps that, you know, we brag about all the time, but for them to work as well as they do after being, you know, a little over a year old at this point, I think is a pretty big testament to where they are from a tech side of things and where they could possibly go with all of this. And so, you know, apps learning along the way and featuring different things and learning your kind of betting habits and all that, I think is probably something we'll see sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, there's plenty of obviously sports books are able to track you and your habits and such. But I think, like you said, the FanDuel app, the fact that they know that most people are and it just makes sense. Most of their bets are coming in on the top 25 games. They should have they have a tab there just to click it and you can more easily navigate and get to the games of interest for most of the fans. And uh, we will talk about on our NFL, the percentage of bets coming in on the teams. And that's the situation is they know that these are the most bet games. So we want to have it available and easily accessible uh, and especially on the mobile apps where you can't quite get as much on the screen and so they need to have it by, by tab maybe just to make it easier for everyone to access how do we feel about a search function i feel like you know is these you know the more sports are, are being added and more you know with more ways to bet on these games i think it'd be easier f- for anybody really to find what they're looking for just, just by searching for it right yeah for sure um i mean i think that I think that, you know, uh, there's there's probably some sort of reason why that some of these that that some of these sites don't have it as prominently featured as others. Um, They would probably not want to tell us the reason for that, like make it harder to for sharp people to find like the the, the games that they're, you know, that they're trying to uh, to get after or whatever. But I mean, you know, look. The the DraftKings app has a pretty easy search function, actually. So, I mean, they actually have a pretty good search function when it comes down to it. FanDuel app is certainly lacking when it comes to the search function there. And uh, I think that some of the other apps are certainly a little bit better than others when it comes to search functionality. But it seems like that's... I guess I'll put it this way. That seems too obvious for me to think that they overlooked it. So I think that there's probably some sort of reason that they would not tell us about as to why they don't have it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, that's that's been that's been the one thing that I feel like has been missing or lacking with some of these online apps. You would think there'll be a widget, though, right? There's got to be a widget that'll be able to be developed and added to it that can simply type in a rotation number, a team name and boom, it's pop. It pops up for you, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's probably something as well. Hey, good, good idea on that, Jay. You should go ahead and trademark that, patent that, and like whatever, <laughs> and you know, all, all, all those different things. Don't don't be giving away million dollar ideas here for free. Um, all right, guys, uh, real quick, let's take a look at these uh, NFL MVP odds because it was just uh, one a topic I wanted to hit on very very quickly because. We had an island game, and as we talk about all the time on here, whenever you have an island game, the people overreact to island games. And so Russell Wilson goes out and has what I consider to be 
a pretty average standard game. I mean, it did not do anything. He did not do anything that I thought was extraordinary. I don't think he did anything that I thought was quote unquote MVP type moment. And then we have everyone basically crowning this guy on the Twitter machine. Brett, I'm sure you saw it. Jay, you might have seen it, too. Everyone's like, well, I've seen all I can see is Russell Wilson, MVP. I can well, 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 going on and on and on. And (laughs) I know. And and it was like, you know, I was like, am I watching a different game than everyone else is? Like, I don't even understand what's going on here. And then I see the odds move to where he's now just right behind Lamar Jackson when it comes to, to MVP race. And I'm not saying that he's not you know, right in the thick of it. But when you look at him being plus 225 and a guy who, again, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, who I consider to be like neck and neck with him sitting at, at plus 700 as opposed to Russell Wilson who's plus 225. I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I wanted to get y'all's take on this. Is there more separation between all these guys than I see? Or it, it, or am I am I just am I am I reading this situation wrong essentially because I just don't see that much separation in kind of the big four right now but the betting odds say otherwise. I'll comment if you'd like, yeah. Brett. I I uh, I still think it's close, and we still have over a third of the season to play, so there's much to be decided. But Wilson has been outstanding. You know, the week before, five touchdown passes. I, I will, in his defense, if you're saying he didn't do too much special, he went on the road against the only undefeated team in the league, and ultimately caught out of there with a win and completed 70 percent of his passes. He ran for you know, 230 yards. He ran for another 50 plus. He did have an interception, but again, this guy, what has he got? Two interceptions for the year now. I mean, he's he's got tremendous. TD to interception ratio. He's clearly been a leader on a team as well that was not, you know, in any way picked to be a division champ or maybe the threat. So I don't think there's any question in my mind that he's a very, very legitimate and worthy Heisman, one of the favorites right now. Um, what separates him, like you said, maybe Rogers is clearly up there and has to be alongside of him. Uh, whether or not uh, Jackson now with his <laughs> continued impressive performance, he's is he is he listed maybe as the favorite and Wilson is a favorite in one of the other books. It looks yeah, like so, at FanDuel and yeah, so, so yeah, Lamar Jackson's the favorite at DraftKings and Russell Wilson is the favorite over at FanDuel. Actually, plus one sixty over at FanDuel for Russell Wilson. You can get Lamar Jackson at two sixty over at FanDuel, where he's one seventy five at. At DraftKings, so just if you if you guys are looking to kind of get into this market here to get you a sweat for the rest of the season, be sure and shop the lines because they are pretty drastically different uh, between the books over here. Brett, I mean, if you take a look, I mean, for me, I, I again, I'm not discounting anything Russell Wilson has done this year. I think that he has been absolutely phenomenal, and when you look at kind of the talent around him. Uh, you know what he's been able to pull off has been great especially on the defensive side of the ball because they have such a poor defense that he's had to do so much on the offensive side but to say that Russell Wilson especially let's look at FanDuel plus 160 where Lamar Jackson plus 260 Deshaun Watson then all the way up to 600 Aaron Rodgers 700 Mahomes 12 to 1 uh you know Dak Prescott kind of hanging on by a thread there at 17 to 1 I don't know. To me, it does not seem like there is that much of a gap between Russell Wilson and everybody else. But I don't know. You tell me. Maybe you're maybe your team Russ on this thing. I give Russ a little more credit than you do, maybe because not everything he does shows up in the stat sheet. Like he's playing behind a pretty awful offensive line. I think it ranks 29th in pass blocking. And that's a top 
10 offense. Um, so, I mean, and he's carrying a pretty lousy defense. I mean, that secondary is atrocious. So I, I look at it more as he's, you know, his leadership and what he's doing playing behind that, that offensive line and getting and getting W's. I mean, he, he is, he is this offense. So I, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not going to take anything away from Lamar Jackson. He's been tremendous, but right now I, I would, I would give it to Russ. I would say that the comments after Monday night football were ridiculous though. You can't just crown this guy MVP. There's a lot of season left and there are, there are a good four. Maybe if, and if you like Christian McCaffrey, maybe five guys who are still, who still have a shot at it. You, you saw all of that, right? I mean, you saw everyone just going like goo goo gaga over it. And yeah. I was just kind of like, I mean, hey, look, it was a good game. He made a couple of key scrambles, but I mean, he also threw a pretty clutch pick and he fumbled as well. I mean, he had more turnovers than he had touchdown passes. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's it, it was it was a good game. It wasn't like this crazy, you know, MVP moment type thing where everybody was making it out to be. But this is just what we do on these island games where everyone's watching and everyone's paying attention. So what what better can what better can we do, Brett, other than rea- overreact on on Twitter? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. And speaking well, of MVP moments, did, did and did nobody watch what Lamar Jackson did on Sunday? Right. I understand it was against the Bengals, but. Those were some unbelievable plays he made running the football. I mean, that guy's that guy's phenomenal. So I I was a little surprised by that, just given what Lamar had done just one day prior uh, for people to be jumping on on Russ like that. But uh, it's going to be a fun race to the finish. I would not count out Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson yet either. All right, Jay, we're heading into week number 11 here. People are going to look to try and make some make some of their money back that they've maybe lost over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if we're looking down this schedule here for this week, what bets have stood out to you? Is there anything you have, you currently have in your account right now? No, I played, uh, no, I, it's been a little later start for me and I hadn't even played the Thursday night game. I'm not certain. I kind of went through this last week with some of the plays I was considering and ultimately got on a few of the underdogs. They, liked and um you know the just as a just a couple comments on the lines and the moves we've seen the biggest move from last week's look aheads on the raiders is one of them up from seven seven and a half all the way up to ten and a half i mean who would have thought we'd be saying we're going to lay ten and a half with the raiders this season but that to me is still yes it's the Bengals. but i got kind of look back inside the box score last week and the Bengals numbers didn't indicate they should have been blown out by that much and um, yeah, I, you, you, most, most betters are just, I can't play the Bengals and I can totally get that, but that's you're you're paying a big price there on the Raiders. I think, uh, I'm pretty certain I will have a bet on the Eagles against the Patriots. I haven't taken three and a half. What I'm keep thinking with 84% of the money on the Patriots, maybe I'm going to be able to get four, but I think I'll just uh, settle anything above three and probably should be betting that. Cause I do think with the off the buy, um, you can make the case obviously again, that this Patriots defense is going to be able to slow any. Eagles offense that hasn't been as productive but the home dogs have finally been coming around in the most recent weeks um they're now even 2020 against the spread I think this season but they're only winning 14 of like 40 games outright but I like the Eagles this week and that'll be one of my plays on the card for sure Brett I think one of the games that is pretty interesting for us to talk about right now because there's a line posted but we are really really kind of in the dark on things is this Cowboys and Lions game. DraftKings went ahead and put up a line of Cowboys minus five. Of course, the big question mark is will Matthew Stafford be able to go or not for this Lions team? They did not put up a money line. They did not put up a total for this, but there is a five-point spread 
lingering out there. So as we sit here on Thursday morning and not knowing the status of a Matthew Stafford, how do you kind of view these this type of game where they went ahead and put up kind of a speculative line because they want to get at least something rolling in here, but we know what a massive drop-off it is from Matthew Stafford to Jeff Driscoll? Well, you know, I love my backup quarterback. <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess the question is how much is the drop-off between Stafford to Driscoll? I, I kind of like Driscoll. He's super athletic and can make plays, but... He's not a. I mean, he's not. A, he's not a starter in this league, and that's it, Stafford is uh, one of the. I, I think. I think Stafford's a top ten quarterback in the league. So I think that's, he's that's, a pretty underrated dude. I he's think he's good. Yes. Like I Agreed. think he's a dude that has just been a really solid quarterback for a long time, and the and the fact that he doesn't do any of these kind of like jaw dropping plays and doesn't make the Sports Center highlights and stuff doesn't get really the the credit he deserves. But I mean, when we look at how many bad quarterbacks have come through the league in the last eight years, and then you can just look at a guy like Matt Stafford, who's been uh, just a pretty solid rock there for this team. I don't know the guy, you know what, Matt Stafford, you on our podcast here on, on the lines podcast, my friend, you are getting three thumbs up from, from the guys here because you've been, you've been a hell of an NFL quarterback that doesn't, I think get as much love as he deserves. I've always been Team Stafford. I, I love that kid, and and he he's a football player too, man. He'll play he'll play through an injury, and that tells you just how hurt he really was uh, going into Sunday. That was unfortunate to see. They haven't won, and that's been obviously the the, the downfall. They just have right. not been able to win with them. And if you're you know the quarterbacks are measured ultimately by right. <laughs> wins and getting the championships in the playoffs, and he hasn't been able to get them there. But hopefully the talent's coming around, which we've seen better now this season. But look how many close games they lost early this year. It's been frustrating, and he has been playing obviously through injury, and we saw it was a little more severe than we thought last week. The unfortunate thing about this game for the Lions is they can't run the football, and the way you beat the Cowboys is by running the football. So this is this is not a great matchup for them. Yeah, I I was that's kind of where I was going with this one. I don't think Stafford's going to I just have a feeling Stafford's not going to play this. If the doctors wouldn't clear so either, if the doctors wouldn't clear him last week, I think it's kind of one of those things where they're going to make him take a little bit of time to heal this deal. So I just have it and I'm not a doctor. I never spent one day in medical school, so do not take anything I I say with any anything other than a grain of salt here. But I, I just have a gut feeling he doesn't play here. So with that, I kind of lean towards the Cowboys at five. And I believe if it's if it comes out that he is definitely not going to play, it would not surprise me to see this thing get on the other side of seven. Wouldn't y'all agree? God, it seems so high. But yeah, it's just looking at it uh, matchup wise. It's just horrible. Horrible for the Lions. Uh, do you think you think it could hit seven? I guess it could. I mean, a two point move uh, yeah. on 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 Stafford not playing, I think, is pretty. Uh, I know I, what tonight I'll be betting at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I will be tempted at seven for sure. Uh, one of the other one of the other games uh, we'll talk about two more before we get out of here. This uh, Cardinals 49ers game. So we see the 49ers lose their first game of the year. I think what's going on here, though, that people maybe aren't paying a big enough attention to here. Cardinals, 10 and a half point dogs here, um, Jay. And the 49ers have already ruled out George Kittle. Staley is going to be out again. This uh, is going to have to miss some time as well again this season for the 49ers. Now we have Manny Sanders, who likely is not going to play for the 49ers as well. And I think we saw with no Kittle and no Manny Sanders for this 49ers team, 
with no playmakers whatsoever to throw the ball to, and we know you can attack this Cardinals team through the air, I look at this and initially say 10 and a half, like getting it on the other side of 10 seems like too many points to me right now. I'll dig into this, and I'm sure we all do the majority of our research kind of on Thursday and Friday, but um, my initial glance at this thing with no Kittle, likely no Manny Sanders, and even if he does play, I mean, a rib injury, he takes one hit, he could be back on the sidelines for the rest of the game, and to have Staley out of there, uh, 10 has a lot of points. As well, the situation now coming off the Monday night game, big Monday night game, uh, physical game. You got guys that are missing, as you pointed out. The uh, obviously the number has come down, and certainly from the look ahead, what's interesting to note on this is we see some of the data now from the Vandals and the sport and and uh, DraftKings in this case that we're referencing. We don't see big underdogs taking a large percentage of the money like we do. In this game, that's pretty unusual. Most of the time, it's clearly on the favorites, um, the most popular favorites. And here we have a losing team as a big underdog and the public is all over it. And 87 percent, I think, of the spread money. And again, that changes throughout. But that's what DraftKings has had coming in as of today. And that may change. But the line has come down. And uh, yeah, just because of the situation with 49ers coming out, um, I have to go through my matchups again. And I, I can't give you right in front of me. I know the Cardinals run defense is not that strong, but you'll probably see uh, 49ers getting back to running the ball a little bit more, but probably the underdog decide to look. I haven't made the bet myself yet. Yeah, Brett, I, just curious as to, your, as to your take on this. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't think the 49ers can get it done against the Cardinals by running the ball. I actually think that they can, but by nature of running the ball and by nature that keeps scoring down, that keeps the clock running. I don't think that we're of the mindset that the Cardinals will get completely shut down by this 49ers, uh, by this 49ers team here. So I don't know. What do you think about 10 and a half, 11? There's actually an 11 sitting at, uh, at FanDuel right now. Well, the Niners should have been able to open it up through the air against Seattle, but Jimmy G, A, is not a great distributor, and B, he has nobody to throw to. Now, I'm a Debo Samuel guy, and he's fine, and he's getting better better every week, but like you said, there's nobody else on this team to catch a pass and make a play. Kendrick Bourne and Dante oh. Pettis, these guys oh. are bad at football. And no no George Kittle, they got to, uh, Tommy Dwelly? I, yeah. Like how how are they going to cover ten and a half? I yeah. I this game is confusing to me because I I I want I want to like the Niners because the, the public is all over the Cardinals, yeah. but I can't find a way to get there. So I'll it's, give it's I'll hard. give the I'll give the listeners just a couple stats to consider if they're considering a bet on this as well. Remember these teams just played recently in Week Nine, and the Cardinals that day they ran one of their best rushing games. They had 153 yards rushing on just 23 carries, and. They put up 357 yards at 7.1 yards per play. Now remember, some of that was late, but the game and the game was in hand for the most part for the 49ers. But the Cardinals got in the back door with a later touchdown. Uh, total yards that game was 411 to 357, and that was at home. Uh, the key for that for me as I look at some of that was the Cardinals had no turnovers. And if they were going to have any chance to win this game, they're going to have to have zero one turnovers and force a few probably out of the Niners to get there. But the numbers show that they, you know, they played statistically pretty close to the Niners at home just recently. And now they're probably feeling that uh, we did it there a few weeks ago. They're a little more vulnerable now, even though it's back on the road. But vulnerable being the 49ers are coming off the Monday night game. They're not as healthy. So uh, that's why I think you're seeing some support on 
the Cardinals, but there's no question they're going to have to play a really solid game to be uh, in that the whole way. And Sunday night and Monday night games always draw a ton of betting attention, as you as we've talked about endlessly on the uh, on the on the show here. We we these island games just get get all the attention here. Bears and Rams and Chiefs and Chargers are going to be our primetime standalone games this week. Tons of money coming in on the Rams in this one, Brett. And I got to be honest, I almost feel like we could see a replay of last week. The Bears yep. getting in Jared Goff's face, and we have seen Jared Goff just crumple under the pressure. And this is not a small sample size here. I mean, granted, Jared Goff hadn't played in the league all that long, but at least this is some, we, he has shown consistency since he has been in the league, and that is... Every single time that he is facing a lot of pressure and is under and is under duress, that he is, I'm not going to say an league like below average. I'm going to say he's a pretty bad quarterback when it comes to all of that and not having Brandon Cooks to be able to stretch the field to where they can at least have that threat of getting the ball down the field as well. I mean, Cooper Cup's fine, but I mean, we know what kind of routes Cooper Cup runs. We know what kind of receiver he is here. No running game to speak of whatsoever for this Rams team either. Man, six points for the Bears is uh, kind of kind of enticing. Yeah, not just last week. It was last year, too, in primetime against this same Bears defense. They tortured golf all game, and, and they won that game outright. This, this looks like a lot of points, considering the Rams are now down two starters from an offensive line that was already grading as one of the worst in the league. Who is starting on this offensive line this week? This offense is bad, like you said, when it can't protect golf. Actually, bad. Right. So... This is uh, this is definitely a game I am looking at. As it, bad as Trubisky is, this is a lot of points for golf in this offense. And, and Jay, we have a super low total here of thirty nine and a half. But I mean, hell, you look at this. The Rams defense is actually I. I mean, you know, they're they're certainly not bad at all. We know Trubisky is bad. We expect the Bears maybe to be able to uh, put golf under pressure and not be able to uh, light things up as well. I mean, it's so weird that we would be talking about a Rams game and and potentially an an under at thirty nine and a half, but. I'm going to hold out and hope that the betting public comes in on a Sunday night football game, which we've seen time and time again and sees a 39 and instantly just bets over, 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 hopefully get this thing up to that key number of 41. And if this thing were to hit 41, my friend, I am going to pound the under with the force of a thousand suns. Yeah, I, I'm only going to consider the underdog here. It's, I think I mentioned well over a month ago that there was concerns with the Rams and their, their offensive line, but Goff, he, he's had one good game against a good defense this year, and that was in week two against the Saints. I think he passed for 280, was pretty solid in his completions, couple touchdowns, but that's when Breeze went out, Bridgewater, and the game kind of you know, had the Rams in front and they were able to make the proper plays and, and play calls because they weren't really threatened in that game. But against good defenses, we have seen it. He's likely going to struggle here. The question is, is the Bears, do you have enough confidence in the Bears offense, which has really done not much, obviously, <laughs> week after week. Um, the only time that New Orleans game that was a kind of a struggle and then they kind of got some late points to, to get it done. But I agree. I think this is too, too many for a Bears team that it's really on the line for them. If they have any chance to potentially, you know, try to get back in this at all, which uh, with Seattle and the Vikings right now is the top wild cards and really strong teams. It's not likely to happen, but I think the matchups say that the Bears defense can really contain here and do a good job and keep this, you know, get laying a touchdown is too many for the Rams. There is a six and a half at FanDuel and a 40 at FanDuel. Now they're juiced, but if you just, you know, if you want to pay for that as well. And um, 
before we get out of here, Chiefs and Chargers, just real quick, because it's something it's kind of funny to be able to report. And uh, as of the time we got this information from DraftKings, ninety nine percent of the spread money was on the Chiefs in this one at minus four. Jay, you just don't see something like this, like hardly ever. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, the handle money is all Chiefs. The, the spread money is all Chiefs. And that will come back a little bit, but it's clearly going to be the sports books are going to need the Chargers big time in Mexico City. Um, and they, I guess, again, um, you can look at season-long stats and weigh it out, but it is a division game, and there's meaning for the Chargers to still have a chance in the division. They're a couple games back. What are they, four and five? The Raiders five and four, six, and uh, I think six and four for the Chiefs. So... It's not uh, this division is not settled yet. The wild card three teams are tied at five and four in the wild card. So the Chargers still are capable. And although more was expected from from the start, we see teams all the time that start out not as well. You look at the season stats, they're not strong, but they improve and they keep coming. And I would think with Rivers, that's a potential here. So I haven't played this one either. I do know that uh, I'm not likely in any way to be on the Chiefs because I think there's some defensive concerns still, but Mahomes clearly capable of making plays, but I like Rivers to, uh, yeah, I'll have to look at the total here. This, this could, I don't like to get in these, I don't like to get in these games where it's Mexico city and I need to know more about the field and the environment and stuff and all that. But um, I'll see about this could, this could have plenty of scoring, even with the chargers initial early struggles scoring. But I think against the Chiefs, they can put up points. Brett, I think one of the interesting things that we can kind of pull from this as well is just that the, overwhelming everything is on the chiefs here but you can see that the 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 chargers are actually the side that's juiced here yeah this is one of those spots that you know you you you, you, it makes you look a little deeper than just the number right like i don't i I try to fade these london games or the you know the london games and these mexico city games whenever possible because i don't know the habits of players and how the international travel affects the routines like mexico Mexico City might be a completely different beast. You know, Jay talked about the field conditions. I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this game. But this line, like this line, feels short, given the way the Chargers have looked this season as a whole. But they've looked much better recently with, with Melvin Ingram uh, playing as well as he has. If he's healthy, I don't know, man. Like especially as a contest play, if everybody is on the Chiefs here, wh- isn't it smart just to go with the Chargers when you're getting the hook? I mean, let's, uh, you know, just and we talk about things that play into account here. Like we talk we hear people talk all the time about the altitude in Denver and being able yes, to adjust to the altitude and whatever. Yeah. Denver, Denver sits at like fifty five hundred feet when it comes to altitude. Mexico City's at seventy three hundred, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it is actually much, much higher than Denver. So there's there's even more in play, you know, when we're talking about Mexico City than even just the field conditions. Yeah, and the Chiefs were supposed to play there last year. They would have one game under their belt there, but it didn't happen there. The game got canceled, and they got shipped back to L.A. So I I have no idea what to expect here. I believe I thought I saw that the Chargers I have to get it, but maybe we're training in some altitude. And that's that's another if you watch this game and there's not much scoring in the first half, 
uh, they're going to wear down some in the second half, especially the defensive side. And that's where I think you can potentially make second half plays and plan on some scoring because that altitude will, I think, take hold. And remember, the Chargers have a little extra rest as well. They played the previous Thursday. They're actually four and six, not four and five, two games back in the division lead in Kansas City. But I think that has to absolutely be considered here as the, the altitude and the potential that they're going to wear down a little bit in the second yeah, half. The, the uh, Chargers uh, practiced all week at Air Force, which is there in Colorado. So, uh, they were trying to get adjusted to the altitude, but uh, interesting stuff. Nonetheless, probably a game. These games where there's so many factors that I don't necessarily know one way or the other are typically the games that I uh, I tend to fade personally. Unfortunately, with it being a Monday night football game, we're going to have to put content out on it, Brett. So <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to figure something out as to uh, as to what we want to, to say about all of this. But we can at least we can at least put forth the facts and let the people make the decisions for themselves guys we really appreciate you being here and uh props to all the people out in colorado if you got out and voted and got that legalized over there uh well done that was uh seriously kind of a come from behind win there with that horrible language that was in that bill and so well done for you guys as always we are on apple spotify stitcher and google so please go in subscribe rate and review let everybody know that they should be listening to this podcast and of course follow on the twitter machine at the lines us and at play picks us for Fairway J, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>